Coming up on Abounding Grace. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, number one, it's a great verse to memorize. And number two, it's a great verse to obey. But I'll tell you what, it's a very hard verse to follow through when you're tested. It's a great memory verse. Looks good up on the refrigerator. It's great to quote. It's good to write on a card. I believe it and I love it. But it's very hard to live when you're tested. The temptation to take things into your own hands is very, very strong. This is amazing grace. Fearing our circumstances can lead to failure in life. And I'm sure we're all too aware of how disappointing failures in life can be. We all have them, and more than we care to admit. Well, today on Abounding Grace, you'll see we're not alone in our struggle, and we're not left without help. Pastor Ed Taylor is in the midst of a series in 1 Samuel. On today's broadcast, we come to one of the most embarrassing moments in David's life. We've all done things we wish we hadn't, and in this case, even a good man does a dumb thing. Before we get to 1 Samuel chapter 21, Pastor Ed recalls a relatable story in Peter's life. In John chapter 18, verse 4, Peter overcome with emotion, overcome with passion. Jesus, therefore, knowing all the things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you speaking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am. And, Ju and, and Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. And then when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. And he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I've told you that I am. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go your way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I've lost none. Now at this point, don't you think Jesus is taking care of business? Do you think he's got it all under control? Did he ask for any help? Well... Simon Peter, having a sword, verse 10, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Peter, he chose to take things into his own hands here. He probably was a great fisherman, but he was a horrible swordsman. <laughs> and if it wasn't for the compassion of Jesus, it could have been a fourth cross there on the day that Jesus was crucified. This was a capital offense. But he missed cut off the guy's ear. I don't know what that was like, but what a sight that must have been. And Jesus just taking care of this, picking it up and putting it back on and everything's fine. Everything's all right. No, he's, he, should go to, he should go to the crucify. He, they should be crucified, Peter. What kind of man is he? Look what he did. And Jesus said, what did he do? I don't see anything. Ear looks fine to me. You know, it's like, but Jesus didn't need any help. He didn't need the strength of man. He didn't need the weapon that was with Peter. As a matter of fact, earlier he told you know, if you, if you go forward with the sword, man, you're going to live by the sword. You're going you're gonna to die by it. How careful we need to be. I think Peter demonstrates a passionate love for his Savior. Who wouldn't? 
but how careful we need to be, what weapons we choose, especially when we're hyped up with emotion <laughs> and passion. Jesus didn't need any help here. Peter needed Jesus' help. And so often in our lives, that's the way it is. God doesn't need our help. We need God's help. We need to learn to trust him. Peter becomes a great picture here of zeal without knowledge. He's passionate about helping, but lacks that foundation of wisdom. There are many in the church today that are zealous. Many in the church at large are zealous, passionate, but lack a foundation. They lack a foundation of God's word. And what happens is they run to and fro with things they have said. They, they have heard from the Lord. And in reality, they're not rooted in God at all. And how careful we need to be. Zeal needs to be channeled with the truth so it doesn't hurt others. Excitement needs to be rooted in the truth of God's word. Otherwise, you'll find yourself cutting a lot of ears off along the way. Even though you have, you have really good motives. Good desires. I'm sure that Peter was trying to cut this man's head off in, in order to protect Jesus, but it's a good thing that he missed. Peter was in a serious spiritual battle here that wasn't so quickly discerned. So often spiritual battles would just come up on you. You know, some storms you can see coming, and some storms you're just in. How careful we need to be to walk in wisdom. When we lose contact with Jesus, you know, when we lose that intimacy, we often try to make up with it. We'll, we'll try to make up for it. You know, maybe you have been lacking in your devotions lately. Maybe you have been dabbling with things in the world. Maybe you aren't as close as you have been in times past. And when you begin to acknowledge that, you have a choice to come back, and that's great. But often what I find happens is people will try to make up for their distance, uh, their distance that have been developed from God with this feverish zeal. They just become very zealous. And we'll blow it big time, and then because it's heavy and the conviction's heavy, we want to make up for it even in a bigger way. We want to prove ourselves. I'll just serve Jesus more. That's what I'll do. I'll serve Jesus for now, and I'll try to make up for time past. And that, you know, I haven't been in the Word for a while, so I'll read now, and I'll try to make up for all the years that I lost. And yet none of it's really directed by the Lord. And a lot of time and energy and frustration, you know, time and energy is wasted, and a lot of frustration comes. Whether things are good or not, we want to have that steady relationship that's led by the Spirit. There's a confidence and a comfort in being led by the Spirit. Back in 1 Samuel, we, we find that David is not being led by God. He knows what it's like to be led by God, but in this season of his life, he's not being led by God at all. You know, that, that sword in Peter's hand, and now Goliath's sword in David's hand, so often reminds me of, you know, the Bible speaks of itself as what? The sword of the Spirit. And it's not always a bad thing to have a sword in your hand if it's the Word of God. But so often I find that, well, I wonder how often the Word of God is used as a sword to cut and slice, to hurt others, to be misused and misquoted. And yet, Jesus is still there to pick up the pieces. I mean, it's no small thing to handle the Word of God. And to deliver it in a way that's honoring and loving to others and honoring to God. Now, verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from before Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing to him and to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? Now, I thought that's pretty incredible. That's an incredible thing. Don't read over that so quickly. He is in Philistine country right now. On the run. And what are they talking about in Philistine country? David. I mean, that's significant. 
You, you, you know, the great exploits that God does through your life, hey, word travels fast. And this is a positive. This is, you know, you know how world, word travels fast in the negative. But I'll tell you what, word travels fast in the positive as well. This is a great thing. They know about David. We've heard about you. We even knew the song. We know the song. We were just playing on Pandora the other day, right here. This is the song. Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his ten thousands. It's not as if David didn't have a reputation among the Philistines already. And his reputation was one of, of integrity, a man of faith, a man of great exploits, a man of God. But that's not how he shows up. It's not how he shows up. David took these words to heart. It's verse 12. And he was very afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And don't forget this, church. Not that we will, but on occasion we do. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says that the fear of man is a snare. Lie, lie, weapon. Well, it's really run, lie, lie, weapon, run, bad territory, wrong area. It hurts something that should be greatly building him up in faith. This could have been a moment to be reminded, yes, God is faithful in my life. God will protect me. God will be my guard. I don't need to trust in horses. Or Yes, yes, but instead, it stirred up much fear. That's what the Bible says. He was much afraid, much afraid. So verse 13, he changed his behavior before them. He feigned madness in their hands, scratched on the doors of the gate and let his saliva fall down on his beard. And Achish said to his servants, look, you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of madmen that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Gath, one of the five key cities of the Philistines, or one of the key cities of the Philistines, Achish, is a Philistine king. He sees David coming into the city with Goliath's sword, which probably is not a good uh, idea to bring Goliath's sword back into the city. I mean, he's making all sorts of, not even bad spiritual decisions, but there's no common sense here, which is what sin does to us. You know, you'll see a person in the flesh, controlled by their fears, will really make bad mistakes on top of their bad mistakes. When you and I are men and women of the flesh and we're captured by, captured by fear, we can expect to make mistake upon mistake. It leads to David being recognized, sparks a new fear in David on top of the other things he's dealing with. He's now trapped, which is the truth of the fear of man, and he becomes very afraid of King Achish. And it's this fear that leads David to act like a madman. And the fear of man, listen, the fear of man will bring down the strongest of men. The fear of man will bring down the strongest of women. All of us included. This weird outburst did allow David to escape. He did get away, alive. But that doesn't mean that God approves of our deceiving ways. There's a way that we grew up in our society that we see here that somebody could come and go, wait, wait a minute, you know, David... He lied, he lied, he's on the run. He even is given a weapon to protect himself. He comes to the king, he lies again, and he got away. That must mean that the end justifies the means. That's how we grew up in our society. That's the way the world works today. That the end saved my life. 
that I can get there any way possible. And I'm here to tell you that's not true and that's not from the Lord. The means, the end, do not justify the means. The means must be in accordance with God's will and God's word in order to receive his blessing and approval. And just because through the circuitous route that you take of doing things your own way, doing things in clear disobedience, and even as you, you and I, we live life thinking we've gotten away with it because you got the end that you desired, I want to just throw out another suggestion. I wonder if that was the end that God even had for you. I wonder if you even chose the right end. Trusting him. The reality here is that David still has a deep love for God, but under the pressure and stress, he takes things into his own hands and it causes him to do things and say things that are inconsistent with the love of God in his life, inconsistent with the God of his life. And the end do not justify the means. The same is true for you and me. Turn over to Psalm 34 with me now. Psalm 34. Let's tie some things together here. Psalm 34. Let's start at the title. You know where it says Psalm 34? We hardly ever kind of pay attention to that, but let's look at that. Psalm 34, you see that in your Bible? And then some of your Bibles may say under it, seek the Lord. Do you have that little small heading under there? Or a small heading? Yes, maybe. And then under it is a couple sentences. Mine says a Psalm of David. Oh, does yours say this? A Psalm of David, when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove away who drove him away and he departed. Abimelech and, uh, is, a, is a, word, a generic word for king. So when was Psalm 34 written? Around this time. It fits right here in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Now notice in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and... He heard me, delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you as saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I'll teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace, pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their cry, verse 16. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such that has a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, verse 19, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones and not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who who trust in him will be condemned. Wow. That's a significant song. Doesn't sound at all like 1 Samuel 21. But you see, he's still, he's, it's up and down. Do you ever feel like you're up and down? Do you ever feel like you're making progress and taking a few steps backwards? 
Do you ever feel and seem as if that, man, that your actions are lagging a little bit behind your emotions or vice versa, your emotions lagging behind your actions? And I mean, this is a powerful psalm. It's interesting that David wrote Psalm 34 when he left. When he left, after all, after he left and, and the king of Gath drove him out, that Psalm 34. I wonder what he was feeling when he was clawing at the gates. Anybody wonder? I'm glad you asked. Turn over to Psalm 56. <laughs> Psalm 56. Psalm 34 is this praise of this hymn of praise after God delivered him. But notice Psalm 56. The subtitle under my in my Bible here is The Fears in the Midst of Trials. And then the little title there, it says, To the chief musician, set to the silent dove in the distant lands, a mictum of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath. Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. All day they twist my words and their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps and when they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger cast down the peoples, O God. Verse 8, you number my wanderings, you put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book when I cry out to you? Then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God, and I render my praises to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. You have not delivered my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. There's a battle going on in his life. A wrestling, a struggling. It's clear that David's frightened in Gath. It's very clear that he's going back and forth from the fear of God to the fear of man, the fear of God to the fear of man, and he's sustained in the midst. Everything's not so cut and dry, is it, in your walk with the Lord? Everything's not so black and white. David is living out a real, and I'm so grateful that he wrote, that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the Psalms, we often refer to the Psalms as the songbook, but it's also the diary of David. I mean, how would you like it if your diary was printed in the Bible for everybody to read for thousands of years? What you were feeling on your worst day or what you felt like after victory and then somebody that was in your life at the time going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That's not how I remember it. That's because you were carrying stuff in your heart. You were wrestling in prayer. You were desperate for the presence of God and you were trying to to, to do what you need. You were going back and forth just so quick. I'm trusting the Lord. I trust in Oh, I don't know what's going to end. But can you imagine writing that down and having it published? I mean, David's a real man, and he's dealing with the fear of man. It's a trap. We we find that he succumbed in that. That's what led him to feigning like a madman. He succumbed to the fear of man, and somewhere along the way, he's like, oh, man, Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Even though I blew it, you're so good. You know, at the end of chapter 21, I think if this was the way David's life ended, like if this was the chapter, it would be very easy to just write David off. Just say, ah. Made a mistake with Saul. Let's not make the same mistake with David. But we would have been wrong. There was a lot going on behind the scenes, the psalmist says. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. The psalmist shows us that, man, you read one thing and then you find out what's going on in a man. I wonder, you know, I wrote it down in my notes. I just jotted it down for me and for you. 
most, mostly for me, but a lot for you as well. I wonder how many people we've written off because they're in Gath right now. Gnawing on the gates and slobbering over their beards and taking things into their own hands on the run. You know, they've got, they've got fear in one hand and a sword in the other. and They're in Gath, you know, withdrawn from fellowship. They're just in a season of, season of acting crazy. I believe there's a lot going on behind the scenes. David here reminds me not to give up on anyone, committing them to God who is faithful. And Lord, help us to trust you even when we see what we see. We're reminded to learn from David's mistakes as well in our own personal life. Here he is, as we so often are, resorting to the flesh. And yet calling upon the Lord, seeking the Lord, then resorting to the flesh. Such a battle, as Paul would declare it in Galatians, that what? The spirit lusts against the flesh, and the flesh lusts against the spirit. The two, it says, are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. We see it lived out in the life of David right here. And oh, that we would just come back to a simple faith, trusting in the Lord at all times. I thought of it when my kids were little. You know, we went through a lot of things when my kids were little. Marie and I did. We went through a lot of financial things. We went through a lot of personal things when Eddie was little and Josh and Caitlin and probably Eddie more than anything. But you know, Eddie didn't stress out about it. He just trusted us. He probably tripped out on us. You know, tripped out on it. This is what, I don't know what life is. This is my first experience in family and I'm, it's kind of crazy, but he, didn't, he wasn't overclawing on the walls and, you know, saliva on his beard. He didn't have a beard at four years old, but saliva on his beard, you know. Or, you know, my, my, my kids, as, as I've seen them grow up, you know, as they get older and they start to carry the burdens of life, I've seen them change over time like you and I have. But when we were kids, we just trusted like this. We just, we'll get through it. Yeah, but you don't understand. <laughs> That's probably good, Mom. I don't understand. We'll get through it, you know. We'll, we'll make it through. And... And, and doesn't the Bible remind us to have the faith of a child? To just trust, you know, God, you're going to take care of it. It's in your hands. I praise you in the good times. I'm going to praise you in the bad times. God, give me the strength because I have the chance right now to take things into my own hands. And I just know that the result will be bad, but it'll be, feel really good if I take things into my own hands. It'll feel really good. I'll have more confidence than I've ever had. And, you know, whatever happens down there, I'll deal with it when we get there. No, 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 no. How careful we need to be just to commit our ways completely unto the Lord. Just knowing that God will work things out for His glory. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And what a great reminder to trust God when times get tough. It's not so easy, is it? Purchase a CD copy of this message for just $2. We're here to serve you toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. You can also download the messages from our website at calvaryaurora.org. Again, we're at calvaryaurora.org. Well, we're very excited to tell you about our featured resource here in the month of April. Ed, what do we have for our listeners? April's resource is a tremendous book entitled Out of a Far Country by Christopher and Angela Yuan. And it's a gay son's journey to God and a broken mother's search for hope. Kristen Yuan is the son of a Chinese immigrants, and he discovered at an early age that he was different. He was attracted to other boys. And as he grew into adulthood, his mother Angela hoped to control the situation and instead that she found that her son and her life was spiraling out of control. 
and her own personal demons were determined to defeat her. Years of heartbreak, confusion, and prayer followed before the Ewans found a place of complete surrender, which is God's desire for all family. And their amazing story, told from the perspectives of both the mother and son, offers hope to anyone affected by the sin of homosexuality. And it's, it's just a tremendous gift. Whether you're wrestling with this right now, yourself, you guys listening in, or you have a child or a friend or a family member out of a far country is a resource we are working right now to get Christopher and his parents to come out to Calvary Aurora. We haven't been able to secure a date yet, but we want them to come out. We want to hear their story. We want to see the gospel message as lived out in their lives. But for now, while you're waiting, support Abounding Grace Radio, and we'll send you this book. Or if you don't even want to support Abounding Grace, just go to Amazon, grab the book and read it, add it to your spiritual library, Out of a Far Country. And the last name is spelled Y-U-A-N. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There sure is. Thanks, Ed, for that encouraging resource. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. Well, that'll do it for today. Come back next time when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in 1 Samuel here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor is presented by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.